Welcome to Between the Headphones, a Georgia sports podcast. I'm John James, sports editor at the Red and Black, and your host for this podcast series. Each week, I'll talk to Red and Black sports reporters to get the pulse of UGA athletics, straight from the source. This week, I'll be joined by women's basketball reporter Bo Underwood and men's basketball reporter Samuel Hicks. First up, though, sports desk assistant Owen Warden will join the show to discuss the start of spring practice for the football team. Welcome to the show, Owen. Good to be here, John. So, first off, let's not avoid the elephant in the room, the glaring issue with Georgia's roster. Stetson Bennett's leaving. He won a pair of national titles for the Bulldogs. He was their first Heisman candidate in three decades, and now they've got to find his replacement. So what should listeners know about uh, the guys in the quarterback room at the moment? Well, I think before we even get to the guys in Georgia's own quarterback room, if I think it should be well known that some of the top programs in college football are all having quarterback competitions. Um, Georgia, of course, Ohio State, Alabama, each of these programs are looking for their for their next starter uh, amidst uh, a lot of their other guys leaving uh, to the NFL draft. Um, but with Georgia's guys specifically, there's three different guys. Most Georgia fans and most people are familiar with Carson Beck to the point that he actually even played in the national championship um, and was out there when, uh, when Branson Robinson was rumbling for a couple touchdowns. He's the most well-known name, and he's the most well-liked starter for the position. Uh, former four-star quarterback. He's about 6'4", 6'5", so he's definitely got the size, but nowhere near as mobile as a guy like Stetson. Now, if you're looking for mobility along with size, you got that with Brock Vandergriff. He's a He was a former five-star prospect, one of the top quarterbacks from his recruiting class, and that's a guy that everyone has been pounding the table for since he got here as a freshman. Um, over Stet, if if, um, if anyone remembers that or even would care to admit that at this point. Um, he's got all the physical traits that you kind of want from a quarterback. You know, strong, fairly strong arm. Um, he's mobile, like I said before. He's got good size. Um, he just hasn't really been battle-tested, and he'll definitely get an opportunity uh, to do that here in camp, here at G-Day. He'll definitely have that opportunity. And the final guy, Gunnar Stockton. That's probably one of my favorite guys, even if he's not the the likely starter. And a big reason for that kind of comes from his history with Raven County back in high school. Um, again, another four-star commit, a little bit smaller than, than the other two guys. But he broke several, and I, I don't know of all, but several of Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence's passing records while in high school. Though That stat alone should make you excited for the type of prospect he is. Um, he's the youngest in that group. He's kind of the third guy in that group. But when he was committed to South Carolina, who was his offensive, who was uh, one of the coaches there? Mike Bobo, who's the current offensive coordinator with the Georgia, with Georgia Bulldogs? Mike Bobo. There's already a connection there. I would not be surprised if Bobo really liked him if not this season, going forward. So three really talented guys. But again, if I had to put a betting favorite, I think Carson Beck is the most likely option. So quarterback is an area we have a little bit of uncertainty about, a few questions about. What's an area you feel completely confident in, one that you have no doubts about whatsoever? I think, and and we'll kind of get to it a little bit, um, I think your pass catchers. I think your wide receivers, your tight ends. I think those are 
positions you absolutely you absolutely should feel pretty good about even after losing AD Mitchell and Darnell Washington to the transfer portal and the draft respectively you're getting talented players there you've got Ladd still sticking around and and he's obviously um, going to provide you production. You've got Brock Bowers, and come on, that's the best tight end in football. So you got to feel good about Brock still being there with the team. So those guys I feel great about. The running back room I will always feel good about because it's constantly full of talent. I mean, you, you've got uh, Kendall Milton still there. You've got Dejon Edwards still there. You've got Branson Robinson. You've got Roderick Robinson coming in there, who I love out from uh, out, out from out west. So you've got a great room there. And then if we're flipping over to the defensive side of the ball, the defensive line, even though they're losing an amazing player in Jalen Carter, still has a ton of talent. I mean, I can just go down the list and, and just name you a million different guys from Nazir Stackhouse, Zion Logue, Warren Brinson, Big Bear, Alexander, Michael Williams, Tremel Walthour. I mean, there's a million different dudes, and there's only more players coming in at those positions there's a lot of familiarity there, and I think there should be some confidence from this team going forward. Let's talk about those pass catchers some more. Lad McConkey is pretty firmly entrenched as one of those key contributors for the wider series next season. But are there any returning players to watch for on that unit? Absolutely. Um, speci- specifically with returning, I mean, you gotta you gotta keep an eye on Marcus Rosemi Jack Saint. That was another guy that came back. Um, who will take a lot of the snap? Who took who took a lot of the snaps that Ad Mitchell uh, did not get due to injury last year, and he'll get that same treatment again this year, uh, even with some other guys coming in. Dylan Bell, who got some run, you expect him to get a little bit more playing time. Um, Arian Smith should take a big step up. He seems to finally be healthy, um, as I silently knock on wood a little bit um, underneath the table here. But if he's healthy. He's probably one of the fastest players in college football, and you got to expect him to make big impacts. Um, and then to slightly slide away from returning guys, Georgia did bring in two transfers. Ra-Ra Thomas is a bit controversial, of course, with the recent uh, stuff that came out against him. Those charges were dismissed, but you can't overlook that. Um, he's expected to kind of slide into that A.D. Mitchell role um, if he gets the start. But Dominic Lovett, one of the best ride receivers in, in the SEC last year as that slot uh, off the line kind of guy. He's going to be an impactful player for this team. I I, I really get that feeling. Um, I really get that sense from what he did at Missouri. Um, of course, both those transfers led their respective teams in receiving. So expect those guys to have an, a a big input uh, on this offense. Love it especially. Speaking of leading teams in production, Keely Ringo and Christopher Christopher Smith are both leaving the Bulldogs to go to the NFL they're going to be significant pieces that'll be missed. But are there any other surefire starters on that secondary unit this year? Well, the one sure, well, the two surefire starters, I should say, um, that you should feel pretty confident at least starting are Kamari Lassiter and Malachi Starks. Those two guys are returning from last year. They started, um, and I think everyone's pretty happy with Malachi Starks. Of course, freshman last year, um, some awesome interceptions that really sealed the game. Uh, for Georgia, so I definitely think that's a that's a game that's a guy that uh, everyone should be pretty excited about um, as a player. Now, Laster, I think disappointed a lot of people. I know uh, former sports editor Stuart Stuart Steele was not uh, too pleased with his performance, and I can't blame him as I wasn't either. But he's clearly a leader in that group. So, and he's clearly a guy a lot of those guys are looking towards as 
taking a big step up. So definitely expect him to start in place of, of Keely Ringo uh, on that other side, matching up with those number ones. Um, but yeah, there's going to be a lot of replacements. There's going to be a lot of changes. I'd be amiss if I didn't mention Javon Bullard, defensive MVP in the playoffs. Um, that dude's great. I don't know if he's going to play safety. I don't know if he's going to play corner. I don't know if he's going to play in that nickel star role, but he's definitely going to be impactful, at least among those veteran guys. The outside linebacker position also endured some pretty significant losses in the form of Nolan Smith and Robert Beal. Georgia's got a lot of incoming recruits at the position, but do you think there are any, are any veteran players on the roster to watch out for? Well, there's three guys that I've been hearing names from, whether that's from Georgia guys themselves or just uh, around the, the watering hole, so to speak. Um, the, the biggest name is Chaz Chambliss. He's the veteran in that group. He's been there the longest. Nolan Smith uh, dropped that, that they had a conversation about him taking over as the leader. So I think I think it's pretty safe to say Chaz Chambliss will be the, be the starter. He will be the leader of that group going into this season. I don't know how productive he'll be, but he'll certainly be there. Um, and then you got two younger guys in Darius Smith and Marvin Jones Jr. Of course, Marvin Jones is hurt, so we're not going to really see much of him in spring or G Day. But but Darius has been getting a little bit of hype. He's been he's been getting a little bit of recognition lately um, as far as talent goes. So I think he's definitely an, a name to keep an eye on. Um, now there is Jalen Walker, um, who kind of plays a little bit of outside, a little bit of inside. I'm curious to see how much run he gets where. But definitely not a name that you can ignore that's returning. All right, Owen. We're, we're winding down here, so final question. Over the course of spring practice, what position battle are you most interested in? What's got the full attention from Owen Warden? I think full attention has got to be on that offensive line. When you're replacing two tackles, which I don't believe Georgia has done since they lost Andrew Thomas and Isaiah Wilson uh about I think about three four years ago it's a difficult thing it's not easy to replace those positions because those are your bookends those are the guys you're that are so important for protecting the quarterback um, especially you're going to have a new quarterback so that offensive line is really going to need to play in an elite level no matter who's back there because they need to make sure that guy gets adjusted early in the season and even throughout the season especially if Georgia's going to look to three-peat um, you've got Amarius Mims massive dude crazily athletic he fits the exact same build that every single Georgia highly rated offensive lineman has had these past few years expect him to be at one of those tackle positions we saw him a good bit towards the end of the season especially when Warren McClendon who's off to the NFL draft was dealing with injuries but that other spot is super key to keep an eye on whether that's left or right tackle uh, Monroe Freeling the freshman from South Carolina has been getting a ton of attention again Depending on where you ask, highly rated four-star, low-grade five-star, either way, crazy prospect, and he's been getting a lot of great reviews from both teammates um, and coaches alike. That's a name to keep an eye on, but you can't you can't overlook guys like Ernest Green, who, uh, again, a lot of people like. He's a little bit shorter coming in as a guard, but quickly moved to tackle and quickly impressed, so you can't ignore him. Uh, and there's plenty of guys that have been there for a while. Micah Morris, Chad Lindbergh, um, Aluba. Those guys have been there for a while, and I think they can't be overlooked, but the offensive line needs to come to play for Georgia this year, and if they don't, it's going to be a struggle. Kirby Smart has always really emphasized the importance of winning the battle of the trenches and maintaining dominance at the line of scrimmage. So yeah, I think offensive line will be massively important to this team. 
Thanks for coming on the show, Owen. Absolutely. Great to be here. Now, we'll be joined by Bo Underwood to hear about all the action coming from the women's basketball beat. Welcome to the show, Bo. Thank you for having me, John. Since we last spoke, the women's basketball team entered the NCAA tournament, they upset FSU in the first round, and then they fell to Iowa in the round of 32. So what were your takeaways from Georgia's weekend in the big dance? I would say, you're right, it was just one weekend, but they definitely played like they belonged there. They played uncompromising basketball to their own strengths, like their own brand, and that was more than enough against Florida State in the first round, and it was nearly enough to beat a two-seed in what was basically a road game and one of the best teams in the country. Um, Diamond Battles, in particular, had an outstanding tournament. Javin Nicholson, Audrey Warren did a lot of good things as well, so I think... um, I think they made a pretty good impression in the short time that they were in the tournament. They've been great defensively all year. Was that where they shined in the tournament, or did did they bring out another aspect of the team that hasn't been highlighted as well? I'd say so. My biggest takeaway for you know what they were really doing well was, yeah, their perimeter defense was outstanding. Florida State in that first game shot under 30% from the field and from three, which is just pretty ridiculous. And... Georgia had a pretty shaky first half against Iowa, defending three. They shot, I think they made nine threes in the first half, but they were really good at it in the second half. And then on the other side, uh, Georgia themselves also shot a lot better from three than I think a lot of people were expecting. They kind of have shied away from some of those shots in the regular season, and they weren't really afraid to let it fly from deep a little bit in the tournament. So overall, I'd say really good guard play and really tough defense. What would have put them over the top in that loss to Iowa? What could they have done better that would have secured the win for them? Not turning the ball over so much. For the most part, I mean, Georgia played a great game and a, like a great, you know, 2023 Georgia basketball game where you know, they play really good defense, they knock down mid-range shots. But you're never going to win a game in the clutch if your veterans are committing bad turnovers down the stretch three times in a row, no less. So if Georgia had been a bit more careful with the ball, especially at the end there, there's a good chance they win that game, and we're talking about the Sweet 16 right now. So that's how their season ended. But looking at the season more broadly, do you have one player or one coach you name as the MVP of the team this year? Yeah, I'll go uh, MVP of the year. I would have to give it to Diamond Battles. Um, Just what she was able to do as a fifth-year senior coming in and being the leader that she was for this team on and off the court, you can tell how much her style of play rubbed off on the rest of the team. It's so hard sometimes to win when your team is this new. And I think just on the court, I think Battles is probably the player who is the most important to this, to whatever whenever this team was successful. Do you think there were any unheralded players on the roster who really contributed to the team's success but didn't quite get the attention for their efforts? I'll go with Zoisha Smith as the sort of the unsung hero for this team. Coming off the bench, just the hustle that she provided for this team. She's such a good athlete. She does the little things really well in terms of, you know, getting tough rebounds, getting loose balls. And she also provides a lot of versatility and switchability on defense. So I think she was a super important piece this year that might have flown under the radar for some people. All right, Bo. I asked Sam this question, so I have to ask you too. It's time for the moment of truth. Looking at Coach Abe's inaugural season with the Bulldogs as a whole, what grade would you give the women's basketball team for their performance this year? I will go with a B. 
it was tough at the start of the year to really project a lot for this team because new coach, new roster, all that. I think they were widely projected to finish between 6th and ninth in the SEC. You didn't really know how it was going to go. Um, and then they started off a little bit shaky, but they went on that really good run in February, longest SEC winning streak in a long time, I think, for the program. And they really they did improve a lot as the year went on and ultimately gave one of the best teams in the country all they could handle. So obviously, you know, it's a second-round exit. It's not the result that anyone on the team wanted. But I think they ought to be proud of how they finished off the season and really came together as a team. I think if you told any Georgia fan at the start of the year they'd make the second round of the NCAA tournament and they'd give the two seed the game at the tournament so far, I think they'd be pretty pleased. Thanks for coming on the show, Bo. Thank you for having me. Finally, we'll be joined by men's basketball reporter Samuel Higgs to preview the offseason for the basketball team. Welcome to the show, Sam. It's great to be here, John. All right. 16 NCAA teams still remaining in the men's bracket, but for Georgia, it is officially the offseason. That means some departures from the squad. What contributors have already played their final games in the red and black? All right, so on senior night, we saw five guys honored. It was Braylon Bridges, Marjez McBride, seventh-year god Jalen Ingram, Terry Roberts, and Jackson Etter. Jackson Etter and Terry Roberts were the only two that still had an extra year of college extra year of college eligibility from COVID, um, but both of them have already decided that they're not going to be coming back with Terry Roberts declaring to the NBA draft and Jackson Etter already posting something on Instagram. Um, but however, these departures are going to impact the team. When you look at Jalen Ingram and Mardrez McBride, they were the only people on the team besides Jabri Abdul-Rahim that would chuck up threes. And I mean, look at Mardrez's like little stretch that he went on where he had back-to-back games with six plus three-pointers. Then the departure of Bridges and Roberts, those those guys were also some pretty important pieces to their offense, and I think Mike White's going to have to find a way to address those consistent performers. Um, and then another guy that's departing, Jackson Etter. He was like their hustle player of the team. This was a guy that was nitty-gritty. He was getting down on the floor, fighting for rebounds. He was a guy who had heart. He's a guy who put his body on the line to help the team in whatever way. He was a walk-on that fought through adversity to receive minutes and played along Bridges and Ingram in that awful UGA team from the previous season, like the one before this last one. He embraced the G and took some pride in being a Georgia Bulldog, but I have a strong feeling that Coach White will have most of that team feeling the same way. So with those absences, there's room for improvement on the current roster. There's room for players to step up and fill in those roles. So who is someone that was on the roster last year that you think has the potential to become a real impact player next season? Well, I think one of the first things that they're going to have to address is losing their big man in Braylon Bridges. And they have a guy who was brought in by Coach White last year in Frank Anselm. And I think we might be able to see some growth in another offseason with Coach White. Another guy that I'm kind of excited to see what he does this next year is Jason Holt. He was another guy that, like Jackson Etter, was a hustle guy he would throw his body around try to fight for rebounds fight for steals had some really good defensive performances this year Um, and I think if we keep that hustle aspect of his game as well as like refine his offensive capabilities he could be like a pretty solid piece for them and then looking at Mardrez and Terry departing that opens the door for a guy like Justin Hill to come and step in and be the primary option for the Bulldogs. And, I mean, Coach White said it already in media availabilities that he views Justin Hill as one of the better ball handlers on the team. And I think we can see him embrace a new role rather than coming off the bench and actually being the starting point guard for the team. 
incoming players could also contend for playing time with those guys as well. But what kind of role, what kind of player would benefit Georgia the most next season, either coming in through the transfer portal or through recruiting? So, I mean, when you look at the roster from last year, out of the 13 guys that were on the team, five of those guys were either listed as a forward and center, and you're losing two of those guys with Braylon and Jalen Ingram. So that just leaves Matthew Alexander Moncrief, Frank Anselm, and then freshman Jaden Newman as the only players on the roster that aren't guards. And then, I mean, if we're talking about the recruiting trail right now, they've already signed uh, two top 100 uh, players in Mari Jordan and Dylan James. But the thing that I want to see the most from the Georgia Bulldogs this offseason is finding a big man. I think that is something that they really do need. I need. I want to see a guy that, you know, fights and secures rebounds for the team to go along with a dominating presence in the paint. I think of, like, performances like Auburn's Janai Broom and Oscar Deshibwe, who both had some of their best games of the season against Georgia. The SEC is a physical, physical conference, and I think they need a guy similar to those two to impose their will on the court. We've talked a lot about Georgia's issues this year, and we're going to harp on those just one more time here. What do you think is the biggest area that Georgia needs to address to improve on over the offseason? Is it just rebounding with that big man, or is it something else? So that was one of the things that I wanted to talk about was just their presence on the offensive glass because, I mean, I'm thinking about Oscar DeShibwe and Janai Broom again. Those guys were fighting for offensive boards and giving their team second chances, and I mean, I'm not going to lie, Toshiboy's performance still gives me nightmares. Uh, but I want to call back to one of the answers that I gave last week and just finding a starting five that will, pro- will provide them the most life, both offensively and defensively. There shouldn't be a worry that these teams are going to go on gnarly scoring runs because they can't figure out what they need to do offensively or defensively. So those would probably be the two things that I would point out. Way too early prediction time, Sam. Georgia finished 16-16 and 16 this season. Can they improve on that record next year? Will they be able to put together a winning basketball team? So, I mean, if you look at their record from this previous year, if they came away with some of those close ones or had just a slightly better record on the row, this would be a winning basketball team. They were 1-10 in on the road, and you honestly have no choice but to go up from there. I think if they find a way to win on the road, it could really benefit this team. They just need to find, they need to figure out a way to not let the crowd noise get too much for them. Um, then to your second question, can this, can they be a winning basketball team? I mean, they went from six wins to 16 wins. That's an improvement in itself. The 10 plus win jump ranks second highest in power five basketball. This was a struggling basketball program and coach white came in and gave us something exciting. And we saw a pretty solid turnaround. I'd say, I'm not saying we'll see an NCAA tournament next year or tournament team next year, but I think we'll see a win, a team with a winning record and a better road record on top of that. I think that's a very reasonable argument, though I'm not sure how much improvement we'll be able to see. Regardless, thanks for coming on the show, Sam. It was a pleasure being here. Thanks for listening to Between the Headphones. I'm John James. You can find more episodes wherever you get your podcasts and at redandblack.com. For even more Georgia sports coverage, visit redandblack.com slash sports. We'll tee it up between the headphones again next week.